The following episode of Council of the First One was recorded on the logistically impossible date of October 26, 2014. Hello, welcome to another episode of Council of the First Ones. I'm Kelly, admin for the Great Rebellion Facebook page and host of Toys and Tunes. Joining me today is my fellow admin, Yoni. Hey, Yoni, how's everything over in Finland? Besides cold. <laughs> well, it's always cold. Well, I've been watching some Generation 1 My Little Pony and, of course, reading the latest Masters comic. Oh, I can't wait till we start talking about that new one. Also joining me is our resident ranter, Crespo, who doesn't have much to rant on, I guess. Well, let's face it. I lost my biggest source of rants from Mattel. So, right now, I have nothing. So somebody please step up so I can rant about the new manager. Well, we can start ranting how uh, G.I. Joe convention's gonna be in the hometown of Dan. Or or we could go with the whole Breaking Bad toys, but... Well, Wessex aren't But then again, 9,299 signatures are far more than 15,000 signatures. Well, on one hand, they are putting meth in the toy. I mean, not real meth, but Toy into the toys. Excuse me, let's use our imagination uh, to be anything else. It's Breaking Bad. It's Breaking Bad, it's for adult collectors. It's, well, they <laughs> were on a separate adult collectible section. But then again, we are giving access to kids to toys like Hal the Pedophile Jordan for the little girls. Sunset Shimmer, the she-devil of My Little Pony. We have now, Anakin Skywalker, a deadbeat dad. A deadbeat dad who kills kids and chops off his son's arm. So we can't we can't complain about one thing and ignore the other. And at the same hand, the same Toys R Us have games like Grand Theft Auto V, which again like is said, rated M for mature seventeen plus. But they have method in that game, and they're n- and no one says anything about it. In any case, I'm glad that the collectors have united, gotten over fifty thousand signatures that are way more than the 9,299 signatures that the Angry Mom got. But, let's face it, the collectors could get 100,000 signatures, and Toys R Us will, n- will not cave in to collector pressure, they'll just cave in to the other folks. Also joining us is Renee from Nerds on the Couch. Hey, Renee, how was Comic Fest for you? Oh, it was pretty fun. You know, my daughter won first prize, I mean grand prize. Ah, so what did she dress up as? She made her own little uh, Furby dog costume. Ah, the original character. Yeah, she's making her own costume now. That's her new hobby, and she's quite good, and she's very proud that, well, I'm proud too, that she won grand prize. As Crespo already started in our introduction, he couldn't wait to talk about what this one woman from Florida did to the collector's aisle in Toys R Us. Yes? We all know about the Breaking Bad series and how one figure did come with meth. I don't know about Florida's Toys R Us, but in my Toys R Us, one, the aisle is labeled Collector's Aisle. Two, where this figure was located was very high up, out of the eye level of most five to ten year old. It was on the very top level, where it was an adult level. At least in New Jersey, in the collector's aisle, 
of Toys R Us, you do have some of the video game toy collectibles, like Zelda is in there, Super Mario Brothers. But these are the higher-end toys, some of which have no articulation. You also have your horror collectible toys, such as the Countless Freddies, your Jasons when you can find it, your Predators, your Aliens. You have your Halo figures. So it is a bunch of high-end collectible toys geared for the adults. And at least in in my Toys R Us, the three that I do go to, at child level are the video game ones that are not too bad for kids to see. But we also have other toys throughout the store that do promote other things that children should not be aware of, especially those video games, between war, racing, fighting, killing. In the girls' aisles, we have dolls that turn around and kill each other or turn into she-devils. So do you think it was right for Toys R Us to bend to the will of less than 10,000 signatures on a petition? to take this one figure from Mezco off the shelves, or should they listen to the close to 50,000 toy collectors that have banded together telling Toys R Us, please keep our toys on the shelves? Crespo made his, made his point, but yeah. the bottom line is, is that Toys R Us is a private company, and they can choose what to put up on the shelves and what not to put up on the shelves. And to me, it's a complete non-issue because if you're a Breaking Bad fan and all that, you know, Toys R Us is not selling them. Well, you know, you can get them online, get them somewhere else. Toys R Us is expensive anyway. Well, actually, for that figure, they were the cheapest place. Yeah, but I'm listing this. To me, it's basically a non-issue because, you know, Toys R Us, if they want to lose money, fine, lose money. You know, you bow down to, like, one woman, you're going to bow down to everybody. So... You know, let them fall and some other toy store come in and take their place. You know, that's the way business works. I mean, my big fear is they're going to now start saying all of the toys, like, even if it's not offensive by a company, they're not going to take. Because Mezco, their big thing is just for the adult collectors. They don't cater to the kids. I mean, they do have a few things for kids, but overall, they are an adult collector's product. Yeah, but again, you know, Toys R Us chooses what goes on the shelf. They decide. So if they bow down to pressure, which again, I'm not on, I'm not on the side of that mother. Okay, I think that mother's stupid. But still, it's a private company, and none of us can tell a business what they can and can't do. But that woman seemed to get her way. Yeah, she did, and that's their fault. I mean, this could actually, I think, in the long run, probably hurt Toys R Us because kids aren't playing with toys that much these days and if you notice i don't know about texas but all the toys r us's in new jersey are half toys r us's half baby r us's because they can't support a toys r us store standing on its own anymore see and here we're frustrated because you go to the collector's one yeah they get the breaking bad which i never seen them run out of i see the universal monsters which there's some fan base on them but I still see people grabbing them. I still see the exclusive Toys R Us ones. I still see uh, the Halo ones move pretty well. But overall, everything else is kind of, it kind of like dies and you kind of wait for it to get discounted. I still see the Robocop one from the movie. 
I just don't see that it's really that much. I mean, Star Wars is still king. The Star Wars toys, are, I see them still selling. G.I. Joe, I never see G.I. Joe. I don't think Hasbro has released a G.I. Joe at all this year since the uh, movie figures. No, they, they released a few sets on the 50th anniversary line, but they seem to be trickling down slowly, and Hasbro has a few issues with their distributing on toys, especially the Joes. They seem to get to random places. And I know I commented on a bit of the issue right now, as a as in right now the the signatures for keeping the Breaking Bad and other adult collectors figures on Toys R Us have. 58,509 followers. Let me just refresh just to make sure that it hasn't changed. So we're almost at 60,000 signatures. Six times as much as... My my real issue is that this small number of people are dictating what everyone can or cannot buy. I understand that Toys R Us is a private company and can put in whatever they want, but these 9,000 people are non-customers. A lot, I checked a lot of the signatures there, and it's like, I haven't been to a Toys R Us in 20 years, and now I'm not going there because they're, they have bad toys. I'm like, you haven't been there for the last 20 years. What would make you go back if you haven't been there in the last 20 years? Or, or people citing the Chuck E. Cheese's slogan as the Toys R Us slogan, or citing other people other company slogans as the, as the Toys R Us slogan. I'm like, these people are non-consumers from Toys R Us, and these are the people, of course, they got the news media and all that. But it worries me because it paints us in a bad light. Many of those comments paint, paint adult collectors as creepy pedophiles. And, yeah, I read that article too. And it bugs me that it, it's an attack uh, on the non-traditional adult, which us collectors would be categorized as or that we should keep our shopping to online yeah i keep my shopping online to things that are available only online if i can get them at a brick and mortar store i'm sure as heck i'm going to the brick and mortar store because i can inspect the the figure i can get one with a better paint job that than going blind bag online i'm sure as heck i'm gonna totally do it plus it also supports your local community when you go to a brick and mortar store exactly and Right now, I'm the family's toy guy, so my family, every time there's a question for toys for little kids, it's like, okay, you can check this here, here. I'd recommend go to Toys R Us since they're most likely to have it. If they don't have it there, check here, check there. If not, go online. Use online as your last resource. And I'm the go-to guy in my family about toys from Dora's, Elmo, all the way to Game of Thrones toys now, which my, some of my more mature family members have gotten into getting, and I'm like, keep them mint on card. Do not open them. They tend to break. And in a way, I'm helping the local toy stores or stores that happen to sell toys. And then again, we're making a fuss about this, but if you don't like them, you just don't buy them. But don't go, don't go around saying, adult collectors are a bunch of pedophiles. No, 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 no. This has not been the first toy scandal. I remember the Dexter toys a few years back. Oh no, they're selling toys with, with an assassin. 
on kids' stores. And I'm like, yeah, right next to the Jasons, the Freddies, nothing. Oh, no, they're selling us-empowered toys that say, do I make you horny, baby? And I'm like, yeah, it says it right on the tag that he says Randy things. Why are you letting your kid buy that in the first place? And let's face it, if your kid knows who the heck Walter White is, then it's not Toys R Us problem. It's your problem as a parent. But we do have a comic book to talk about. An origin to complete. And one really kick-butt comic. And that is issue 18 of the Masters of the Universe DC comic, The Origin of Shira. So are we doing this page by page? I freaking love that cover. They have it right there. It says she has the power. It's it's about time. You're you know we said it before. It's about time this happened. I mean we've seen the cover now for a couple of months. They did spoil it. They put it right out. Said here, this is what her final design will look like. I mean I love that you do see many of the characters in the background. That clearly states who has the power. Well, it's a nice tribute to that uh that toy uh poster. Remember they had back in the day. Yes. I forgot to mention on the cover, the artist, the artist who did this, can't pronounce the name of the, of the artist, but I know that the artist has done some fabulous fan art in the past. Uh, y'all have seen the famous, the, I think this person is the one that did the He-Man and Tila kissing in a, for, like for a movie proposition, fan art style, because the art seems similar, so, if someone can correct me if I'm incorrect, but the art style looks so similar that it could be the same person, but I'm 75% sure, not 100% sure, but man, I I love this cover. It should totally be a poster. Yes. I mean, this actually also brings me back to the old painted box art that we used to get. It gives me that feeling. And for those who are keeping track, this is the Blood of Grayskull Part five issue and we open up with a lovely little cat bite adora is in the garb of despara using king hiss's sword and sarin is using the sword of protection against her any comments on the first page since i'm there well the artwork's way better than what it was (laughs) in the past issues oh yeah this this comic got a lot of love. It's almost like these the artists, the pencilists, and the colorists who worked on it really wanted to bring her to life. I mean, we've seen some really bad art by the same group, and now I think we finally got our style that the whole comic series should be in. Any comments from you, Chris, on the first page before we keep going on with the lovely cat fight? The only thing I can say is, like, Yes, I want the Sparasatoy, but if they, if we could get the Four Horsemen to make a Saren figure, I wish we could break them from the classic shackle and let them go Todd McFarlane style with Saren, cause I know if we let the Horsemen go full Horsemen, oh, she, she could would... give us a, a mega creepy Saren that would make McFarlane toys <laughs> their pants. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so cool. And the horseman could do her really good. 
I mean, that would be a perfect lead-in to a DC 52 line of He-Man toys. Having her and Despair as a two-pack, now that would be worth paying the 60 bucks for, for the two-pack. Well, it's something we're going to have to bring up with the new uh, head when they announce them. Yes, it is. Scott right now is, like, leaning back, listening to this podcast, going, it's not my problem. <laughs> not my job anymore. We're just waiting to hear where Scott lands so we can uh, start picking on that toy line. I just hope it's not Spin Master, because I know that the anti-Scott people are going to have a field day with that. Now, the second issue, sorry, the second page, I got to first thing to say, I love the action. Oh, yeah, you can feel the battle. I mean, it was like, okay, I'm not reading the words. I just want to see this battle take place. And they truly captured every movement of this fight scene beautifully. Mattel should really consider working with DC to bring this whole lot of Grayskull Mini as a direct-to-video movie like DC has done before with things like Flashpoint Paradox, Justice League War, well, they have et another cetera, et cetera. One, They have another one coming out already. The Throne of Atlantis. Wonder what that's based off of. And trust uh, that's pretty good. I got to see a good hunk of it at New York Comic Con. Well, it's a direct sequel to the uh, war. Yep. And, and the, let's face it, the DC animated the DC animated movies have been way better than the Marvel animated movies. Live action is a different story, but Seriously, but if Mattel is not considering taking this many and making it this generation's secret of the sword, they're, they're missing out. Yeah, I agree. I know M- Mattel has the playground, and okay, so far what I've seen coming out of the playground studio is all right. This, I would hand over to DC, direct to DVD, and say, create it. And fill in the missing scenes that you need, but this is the modern version of Secret of the Sword. And the, these pages here show what DC could do as a directed DVD movie. I mean, page two and three definitely are the fight scene. I mean, this would be one kick-butt scene to watch on TV. What about you guys? I'm just, I'm just mind-blown by the Kick butt action. I mean, it's it's right. It's rivaling anime, '90s anime, in the sheer amount of action that I'm seeing this first few pages. I don't think we've seen this much action in any of the previous He-Man issues. You know, you're right. That is one thing I realize we've been missing from the He-Man issues is action, and that's an essence of what. Masters of the Universe has to be. You gotta have sword fights. You gotta have battles. You know, I, I understand they don't want to kill people. And even though this is a modern day issue and all that, you know, they still haven't shown you, like, who lived and who died in, like, the Masters Universe. Not in the regular 52. In the mini comics we've seen them decapitate people. <laughs> yeah. But still, not that many. I mean, we see, like, people who are around, but we don't know, like, hey, what happened to that guy? What happened to this guy? Well, we don't quite know yet. And, uh, you know, we do know from the uh, bios and all that that certain people die. But here, you actually get the feeling that it could happen and that it has happened. Well, Randor seems to be dead, so... Yeah, but even though we don't know what happened, though. 
they could easily now again you got to admit they could easily have like an issue coming out or something that king his didn't kill him that he threw him in that dimension and he's a prisoner in another dimension well there's that or well in any case we would need a flashback issue with king his so maybe after the whole eternity wars we may we may get something which would be the latest big huge event that will shatter masters of the universe to its core and to be honest there hasn't been that many of those in the DC comics aside from headless Tilana so I'm actually excited about this and and again going back to the fight scene of Saren versus Despara I I mean it's riveting uh, I was pointing out that this battle again has a purpose they're not just fighting just to fight you know, part of the dialogue is, is that, again, Dispara or Adore is being confronted by her past, which is something that they touched upon in Filmation, but of course they, they whitewashed it. And this is actually her being confronted by her dark side. You know, the evil side, and she does have an evil side because she did commit evil. She is a mass murderer. She is, you know, her history shows she is a terrible killer and she took pleasure in it. And she's being confronted with it in this battle. So you can say, and again, I kind of feel that these guys are kind of literal. I mean by that, they've read a lot of literature and all that. But this is kind of like battling her dark side or battling a dark side that's bigger than her. And she has to get better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why the issue with the mask and all that. You know, Despara, you know, Adora puts the mask on and she's going to go fight her as Despara. Because to her, Despara has more power than Adora. Because she says, you're going to fear me, you're going to fear Despara. You you know, she doesn't call herself Adora. No. So, it's kind of, again, those of us in literature, because we know that she's letting go. The you know? is broken yet. Yeah. Okay, it's a bit a bit in your face with the whole... It's it's a bit in your face with, with the whole <laughs> obvious symbolism, but in a way, for a medium like comics, where not all, we don't always have the amount of subtlety that a book or a film could could allow us it's rather fitting it's a it's a bit i have to admit it's a bit in my face but then again masters is a bit in in your face with their things like for example fisto with the giant fist or stink or he's a skunk and he stinks so it's fitting for masters that they renounce to subtlety and they just go this is all that's missing is like, this is a, a physical manifestation of Adora's battle with her inner demons. But that's the beauty of Masters. And I would kill to see this in animated form. I know I've said it a few times already, but I'm just emphasizing it for the people at Mattel and DC that I would kill to get this in animated form because it's so freaking awesome. I mean, yes, we do see the literal, the first literal step of her going from despair to adore is the breaking of the mass. And then the second one is the lock, the locket. Even though she never got to meet her mother, that's connection to her family, that there is still hope, which I'm really glad that they did spend a little bit of time like, oh, well, this, they gave up you, gave you up. They used you as the sacrifice, making her question her loyalty to the family. But realizing that it is an important part of who she is. That she has learned to trust her brother and have faith in him. 
And I think the last part, at least for me, making that formal transition away from Despera to a, to Adora is when she says, I choose Grayskull, and King Hiss's sword just disappears. I found it, again, interesting. These panels, this guy, the artist, or the comic book guy, the writer, comes up, did an amazing job piecing the story. Because, you know, at Lockett, you see her going to the sword that transformed. I like the sword design. And then, you know, just like how we expected it, you know, she picked up the sword, said the words, and a whole big page dedicated to that. And I'm glad they even kept some of the elements from the filmation with the swirl were there. But then you have the lightning that you normally see with T-Man. So they balanced out the two and combining it in a new way. Even the uh, type, when she says, I am Shira, that's almost classic filmation. Okay, I'm going to nitpick one little thing about her costume that, that I that I fully see it on the I am Shira page. Her cut piece can kill Swiftwind. <laughs> I'm sure it's all fabric and not metal. That thing looks like gold-plated metal or bronze-plated metal. So it's like, fly, Swiftwind! Fly! Swiftwind! Swiftwind! Did I kill you by accident with my outfit? Magic! Okay, I'm just going to assume that's just a gold flexible skirt. Yeah. But, but, yeah. But, yeah, the whole, but all jokes aside, the, the thing with the locket is obviously Adora fight, fighting for her bit of humanity inside and, and then choosing that humanity over her dark side was a nice face. I'm not too fond about this sword's transformation, but I understand that it's to make it look like a twin version of Heman's current sword, which is the one with the big Zor age, so I can let it slide. But yeah, it's good to finally have Shira in the comic, which has been something we've been waiting for ever since Flutterina became a Kabob girl. <laughs> no, that's but, um, a Flutterina, not the Flutterina. Well, I'm calling her Flutterina because she looks like Flutterina, and in any case, this is Masters of the Universe. If Adam can come back from the dead, Flutterina can come back from being a Kabob girl. Well, we also find out in this ep- issue, I'm ready to say episode, boy... Really want it as a cartoon. <laughs> See? See? Episode comes more naturally than now, come issue. On. Hold on. We can all agree that if this 52 comic became or again started off as an animated series, aside from the artwork, which, you know, it would be like a standard cartoon art, maybe, you know, CGI now, the way things are going, mostly CGI, it would be a really awesome cartoon series. And this would make a great season one um, finale, or again, season two uh, premiere. But we also see in the next page who Skeletor's mommy is in three small little panels. Which again, I'm kind of like, what? Yeah, I mean, are they rewriting his history that he's no longer King Marrow's son? Uh, how old is King Marrow? Or did King Miro make a trip over to this uh Guys, island? guys, I think I, I think I got it. 
Spectre sent King Miro back to the past. He had a one a one night stand with Saren. Then Miro went back to the future, and Spectre brought nine months later. Spectre brought the baby back to Miro. Like he's like, you his daddy. I mean, like no. Spectre like yes, you are. Okay. But we do see poor He Man near death. We don't know if he's totally dead because Adora, sorry, Shira is hoping that they are reaching him in time. And I like when she gets to He-Man, it's another tribute back to the Secret of the Sword, Episode 3, when she reaches her brother and questions if there's time. I mean, okay, in Secret of the Sword, he wasn't killed. His energy was drained. But here, he's bleeding out. Well, his energy is being drained out of his body in, in a modern version. And pools of red energy. And let's face it, 80s formation. They were, but I like they how were they... tiptoeing around the whole censorship thing. So that's but... why his energy was drained. But I like how DC has respected the Secret of the Sword mythos and tried to incorporate those Easter eggs for us. Well, Princess of Power fans are a rabid subdivision of the Masters of the Universe franchise, so they knew they had to tread carefully while keeping cool and badass for the vintage Masters fans, but at the same time respectful to the Princess of Power canon, which so far it's like filmation or mini-comics, and there's not much to take from as inspiration, to be fair. And I'm glad they, and I'm glad that they're doing this because it shows that they care about the aspects of the brand and the universe, which again, it's a good thing and shows that the team has a better sense of direction than when the comics started, which y'all know how much I hated those, those six mini Oh gosh. Series. I am really glad with the team we have now that they are respecting the mythos. I mean, even which, have, which it's made me a believer in this co- in these comics, and I have more faith on the DC team now than I had last year with the whole six issues that they they still bring up some bile in my mouth when I talk about them. But the these recent comics have been way better, and I'm glad for that, and I hope it it heads in this direction. But the next page again is another tribute to that Secret of the Sword. I, this time it would be from ish, from the fifth episode when Shira actually is healing Swiftwind. Instead, she's, in this issue, she's healing her brother with the sword that light when the sword glows, and she realizes she has the power to heal. Well, that's always what we got to make the distinctions between He-Man and Shira. You know, they always say, "Well, they're equal." Equal is an open term. You know, because, and Scott Knightlick settled this a while ago. You know, it's like, what's the real difference? Well, He-Man has the power of the universe. He has, he's the strongest being on the universe. He's, he has the power of the universe. Shira is strong, but not quite He-Man strong. But she has abilities that he doesn't have. And this is one, healing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really like, that she doesn't have the same abilities. Because, also, men and women are built differently. Most women are the caregivers, so it would be natural that she would have the healing 
ability or the ability to talk to the animals where he's going to be stronger and go out and just kick butt. <laughs> but then you get, get him saying, well, sister, I mean, he's actually questioning, okay, who's this woman? But realizes, wait, I can't question that just yet. We have other things to deal with. Like the Fright Zone, ready to engulf the whole island. We have to get to work, brother. And I love when the two of them come together with another epic page saying, I have the power. The only thing missing from that was Battle Cat. Well, they left him back on the mainland. I know, but if they added Battle Cat, that'd be an awesome poster. Yeah. But, again, to be fair, this is yet another nod to Filmation's Secret of the Sword, where they both have their swords aloft, which, again, this, like Renee said, this would make an epic poster with, I have the power, both of them. Boom. And then the next page when they destroy the invading, the invading Fright Zone. I mean, you can't, words can't put that page into perspective, at least. I mean, it's almost like it's 3D how they did the destruction. I mean, if you're a listener and you haven't picked up issue 18, you have to. But yeah, this whole, this whole, whole, basically, holy lightning Casting out the evil techno empire base—it's a thing of beauty. It's—I am—it's. I mean, it's almost like I'm trying to find a way to, to describe it. I mean, it's like I have no words for it. It's like, okay, if one human was mighty, the combination of Shira, holy crap! I think evil needs to change their loincloths because they freaking blew up the fright, fright zone with holy lightning. I mean. The, like I said, it is a, definitely a 3D piece of art on that page when they destroyed the Fright Zone. Almost wish it came with 3D glasses so it was real 3D. I mean, I don't think out of the whole series we've seen such an epic page. And yet this issue has given us three of them. And going on to the next page, yes, it's still all bright, done in golds and a little bit of red on the edges, because there is still some destruction going on. And it's sort of like, He-Man's really contemplating, what should I do now? He sees his sister in a new light, that she has changed. The people of the Gar are coming out of the darkness. Well, He-Man, I want to say, He-Man really pointed it out here when he says, you truly are broken people. He does say it. Broken people. But I like that he turns around and forgives them, too. But, but yeah, we, well, the, the page before that where he even cut the place of destruction and, and he realizes, he kind of sees, he, well, he kind of sees his sister in, in a new light and we get the uh, juggalo hobos with the car. Sorry, that's what they look like. Blue hobos. Blue juggalo hobos. Well, they've been in darkness for thousands of years. But what, one thing I want to point out, well, well, first He-Man is like, oh, you're broken people. I will no longer permit darkness to rule. And what Eternia, the curse is lifted, everything. First you see He-Man's really stern face, and then, and then two panels later, all his features have softened up, which in a way shows like, um, how this load has been taken off his shoulders because he's got this burden to protect all Eternia now that he has saved this chunk of Eternia, which again, it shows Heman's nature. 
while he can be barbaric, violent, and everything, at the end of the day, he's basically a paladin, which is the which is basically how Heeman was in the 80s. We have the stark contrast between the mini-comic barbarian and the formation paladin, so I like that the comic is giving nuts to that, whether it's on purpose or it's accidental. On that page, I, yeah, we start seeing him with that harsh face because he is he feels that he still has the burden of ruling and protecting them, but it starts to soften when he realizes He's not alone in this journey anymore. He has his sister there. Because she even says, you haven't changed. But he recognizes his sister has changed. And I think that's why we see the softened face to show, okay, I'm not alone in this anymore. And I love the ending. Again, this is right from episode three with something tells me Something tells me we have a lot to talk about. That was the ending line of Secret of the Sword, Episode 3, Shira Unchained. we got to give a lot of credit to the writers. They really did their homework. Yes, they did. But then the next page, we're back at Fright Zone Castle Grayskull. <laughs> that is the only way to describe it. Well, it is Castle Grayskull. But it's also the Fright Zone on Eternia. So we've got the mixture of the two. And what I love is we're finally seeing other members of the Horde! Yes! We still don't see our beloved Hordak, but of course we are seeing Leech, sorry, Grizzlor and Catra. And, and of course we do have a uh, Dragster in there and Scorpia. Well, it's really cool to see them, but I want to talk a little bit about that Castle Grayskull design. I mean, that is beyond creepy. Because you see Castle Grayskull, you kind of see the essence of it, but now you see it mixed with the Fright Zone. And the Filmation Fright Zone, too. Yep. Now, that would be a great, awesome playset. So we're going with the whole Castle Grayskull changes its shape, depending on whatever faction it takes it. Well, no, remember it got destroyed. Yeah, I know, but remember that in the horrible six minis, it had a different take. When Skeletor was in control, then it was being rebuilt, so it kind of looked more like Castle Grayskull. Then it was destroyed by the Fright Zone, and now it looks Castle Horde Skull. So Spectre take over it, so it can be called Castle Spade Skull. Sorry, and he's no longer available to do that. Your jokes are irrelevant now, Castle. <laughs> no! Well, don't worry. Scott will like him, or hate him. In any case, he can jump in and complain about my really bad jokes at Spectre, but I really... Okay, I really like this, but hate it at the same time. Grizzler running around with the Fright Zone puppet stuck on his back. I thought it was it was Leech. <laughs> Even worse. No, yeah, that's worse, man. <laughs> Leech isn't that big, man. <laughs> No, it's the uh, it's that uh, serpent beast that uh, that came with the Fright Zone playset. The Fright Zone puppet that it's really hard to find one in a decent condition right now because that latex kind of rotted. Yeah, you you can't especially find one. if it's on card. No, no. Even in the they showed it. They showed uh, somebody opened up a uh, mint in the box uh, Fright Zone and uh, they pulled out the uh, the puppet. 
it degraded. They just didn't, you know, it, it, it got stuck together. It became like one big moldy piece. So, um, no, the only way you can do it now is like to get a reproduction. And there's people out there who have made reproductions, but it's lost. It's actually one of the original pieces that's lost. It's like the original Yoda. It's gone. This is a bit weird on Catra because on the first image we see of Catra on this page, she has, she looks full filmation with the horde bat, but when they get to the close up, it's the vintage toy crest on her chest, which again, it's a cool nut, but, I, but it's like, wait, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that... whatever. And good to see Scorpion in other media. Yes, it is. About time. Hendraxter. Hendraxter, who, let's face it, he doesn't get any love. And I love that they went with a mixture of MYP with the uh, Shadow Wrath lining the staircase and Filmation doing Hordex throne. I mean, that is a nice blend of both continuities. And it's like, yes, let's see with Hordex and his little imp giving the orders. And of course, Mantana falling down the trap door. But in these comics, if he falls on the trap door, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, we might see Calix go through the trap door. And that'd be a nice little 2000X nod. But... Calix. Oh, here comes Calix. Boom, he's dead. You'll be next, Mantena! It still makes me wonder, though, seeing the, the 2000, I mean, seeing the 2000X rates and all that, you know, what are the odds that we'll see them in action figures? Uh, sadly, I believe that not the odds are not that huge, but I really hope that we get them cut. They would make one amazing entourage for Shadow Weaver. Like she's the head witch, and she's got the rays that handle all the magic in the horde. And then we have the troopers for Horde Akash. I would welcome a repainted set of Horde troopers for Horde Prime in a different, in a different color scheme, maybe with red visor. To make them more horse prime troopers or something, but I'm not calling the shots at Mattel, so. Yeah, no, neither is Scott, so we can't even bug him. Yeah, and I seriously doubt that the new boss is gonna go back to production. Maybe if they do a rebranding or something or other, but that's a big, gigantic, if. bigger than the Hollywood sign letters if. We now know this will be the prelude to the Eternium Wars which will be coming out in December. So the next issue will line up the new series. So just to clarify for fans, there's nothing in November? I think, yes, yes the next yes. issue is the prelude to the Eternian okay. War. Then in December it switches over to, I believe it's Masters of the Universe, Eternian War is the f official title. Yeah, and I have, I have a good feeling they're going to end it in 2015 with the... Uh, Along with the figures and all that, since everything's coming to an end. It might just go, who knows? It could carry on if there's enough people buying the uh, magazine. I know I had the comic as a subscription through com Comicology, so I have to make sure to switch it over to the new title. People point out, you know, that sales for the uh, comic book have declined, but it's still within the green, you know, like, they, they can still say they sell well. And I'm hoping that, you know, with this issue and all that, that people jump back on board. Oh, yeah. This issue you definitely need to go out and buy. Don't just get electronic. I mean, yesterday at Comic Fest, I wound up 
having to hit two different comic stores because they sold out of this this year. Which again, it's a, it's an issue. I kind of don't get it. It's like it's the, the issues sell out at most comic book stores. Well, then again, they don't order in the same numbers as say Spider Man or Batman, so it's understandable. But it sells well, and as a guy who loads the earlier comics, it has gotten way better. It now it it kind it's gotten into a groove. So and now the comics, the team behind them, they do have a better feel of what is Masters of the Universe than the previous theme. And I still don't get. Well, I get why some people left, but then again, this is not exactly a big book for DC. It's not so. Of course, it's got the Z team players. Sorry, He-Man team, but in the big, in the larger scheme of things, you're not DC's A team, and I'm glad because I personally wouldn't trust the DC A team with the with this series, and I'm glad that you guys have done a great effort. Dude, I gotta disagree. I don't think we're looking at the Z team. No. These guys are up and comers. That's what I see them as. Uh, that they're, they have talent, they haven't proven themselves yet, and they're giving them these issues to prove themselves. So, in a way, to me, it's a little better. And when I look back at the other issues, I see it as a work in progress. These guys are not following, they're inspired from previous incarnations, but they're setting up their own path. And when you do that, yes, there's falls. Uh, there's some people who knew He-Man. There's some people who didn't. You know, I'm still laughing. I still want to laugh at the first writer who did the first issue. As soon as it hit, you know, all the negative feedback and all the... the he wasn't prepared for the fan base. No, he wasn't. And he ran for the hills. But I think that the writers who come in on these issues are trying to prove themselves. And we've had pretty much the same writer... Now, for quite a few issues, going back at least to issue 11, which I have on hand, he's been the same writer, the same writing team has been there, and then they added one more, and the three of them have come together. Yeah, it started out really bad, but I think now they're starting to prove themselves to the fan base that, yes, they're going to keep true to the mythos, they're delivering on the action finally. The artwork is outstanding now. So if you left because the first issues were garbage, either you didn't like the storyline or the drawing, I would say come back, give it another chance. Easily. And let me paraphrase what I was trying to say. Um, the team that we have, it's not DC's A team because those are kept for the Superman, Batman titles. It's better that it's not DC's A team because they're more used to write to a different genre that is not suited for Master. This team that we've got, it may not be DC's A team, and it's got, like Renee said, a bunch of unproven talent. Now that this team has gotten its groove with Masters, the title has gotten way better than it was before. This is, this will never be exactly like past media like say Filmation, NYP or even the 2002 comic. No, this is a different thing, a different continuity there are things that we may not like, there are things we may like but as a comic we are seeing some progress from the cringe-worthy early issues, the six issues meanings to 
the issues that we have now. That is a good thing. Is it perfect? No, but it's a step in the right direction. So give it a chance. If you like it, keep on reading. If not, well, at least you gave it a chance. See, the other issues weren't that bad to me. It was the artwork that really got to me. I mean, whoa, that artwork extremely terrible. I always thought there's potential, and I think they're kind of getting into a groove. Yeah, like you said in earlier uh, uh, earlier uh, council meetings, yeah, it's going to take a while for them to find the voice for this comic series. Because it's been out of the loop for so long. Are we, we're now seeing how the writers have adapted the writing and given a certain voice to the characters. The artwork has improved. In fact, we went through several artists in the first six to eight issues. We have now a set team in place of the same three writers. It looks like also the same artists, at least in the last five issues. So we're getting somewhere with this. And we're now setting up for a war. I would like to thank our friends over at He-Man.org. If you would like to catch any up-to-the-minute He-Man news, you need to go check them out. Also, remember to check out Body Collector for all your He-Man needs. This month, we do have a couple of figures. Galactic Protector Shearer is up for sale. Arrow and Tongue Lasher. So if you want those figures, check them out on the 15th of the month. We also have the Giant Skeletor up for sale this month as well. And until next time, I bid you a good journey. I'm Renee, wishing you all a good journey. I'm Yoni, good journey. Ranting Crespo, good journey. And prepare your wallets because Battle Ram is coming. Oh, I forgot that. Battle Ram is also this month. $110, guys. Oh, <laughs> Plus shipping, handling, taxes, etc., etc. And he, since it's not part of the sub, double shipping, baby. Okay. Fine, yes. Some of the video game calls. Are you losing me again? Yeah. It's yeah, it's breaking badly. Huh. <laughs> okay. One well, not intended. Alright, Digital River has decided to plague us.